chances are you're familiar with a continuous improvement model, total quality management, lean management, Six Sigma, Kaizen. Continuous improvement is an ongoing effort to improve elements of an organization. Continuous improvement maintains that a steady stream of improvements diligently executed will have transformational results. And while CI is most commonly used in the business world, have you ever thought about integrating a similar mindset into your personal life? This month, our episodes center around one common theme, question everything. In this podcast, we will discuss the mindset behind why we are content with our status quo and explore what can be gained by maintaining a mindset of continuous improvement. No matter how good you are at something, is there room for improvement? Chances are there is. After all, even Michael Phelps takes swim lessons. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Good to be here. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Pete. Hello, everyone. Hello, Melissa. I look forward to discussing this idea of continuously making ourselves better. Wonderful. Well, I'm happy to explore this topic as we kick off the month where we encourage everyone to question everything. And we are going to start off at the top with robust discussion on why we should begin questioning ourselves, what we do, what we believe, the routines we find ourselves carrying out. Oh, absolutely. We're going to do our best two-year-old impersonation and just be like, why, 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 why? The old why rabbit hole. So that would be the red pill folks. So uh, since I'm the one, I had to look that up, by the way. I, I know that it's a, a reference to a movie, but I was like, red pill, blue pill. So I, <laughs> there you go. People are like, okay, not inviting her to trivia night. All good. I'm really good on other topics, folks. So um, since I'm the one who introduced this topic today, I thought that maybe we would start off by talking about why businesses use continued improvement. What are the advantages of doing this? Why don't they just rest on their laurels? Well, I mean, the easy answer there is money, right? And companies are constantly questioning themselves because they're in the business of maximizing their profits. They, they absolutely are. And the way I like to frame it is that businesses, organizations, affiliations want to be successful. And most definitely the financial health of an organization is going to be a really good indicator of whether a company is, is successful or not for sure. Right. And a company that's focused on continuous improvement is always innovating. They're always trying to find a way to bring their product or service to you in a way that's cheaper or faster or, or of a higher quality. Uh, and that's, that's where we get, uh, that's why I think I said profit, you say success. I think they're, they're synonymous. They're, they're, they're inseparable actually. Well, Pete, I know you're a big fan uh, aficionado, if you will, of Kaizen, or at least you know a lot about it. Um, so did you want to talk about that? Because I know that you, you, you definitely, this is like a little bit of your area of expertise. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned the Kaizen in the intro and that comes from the, uh, from Toyota in Japan. They, they uh, championed that this sort of continuous improvement mindset in the business world. Uh, and, and that's, kind of been adopted by all workplaces, at least, at least in their stated intentions, right? Staying, uh, as, as I already said, staying competitive 
necessitates that we're constantly looking for ways to improve our product while simultaneously cutting costs, the preservation of our resources should be top of everyone's mind. Well, because resources are finite, I mean, they cap out at a certain amount. So either we control them or they're going to control us. Right. Absolutely. And and what happens too often, and, and the reason I think that we get, that we don't pursue continuous improvement as much as we should in our personal lives is that we get to a to a point where we're comfortable where we're um satisfied with where we are and what we're doing in our in our routine um and it, it keeps us from pushing for for better i believe that it's like safe it's less work right um so i'm going to i think this is going to come off harsh but pete's like What's new, Melissa? Uh, I think that uh, that comfortable is a nice way of framing complacent. I really think it's complacency. I don't. I don't think that's harks at all. I think those those two words are interchangeable. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think self improvement begins with self examination, uh, and that's not something many people are comfortable doing. They don't want to examine themselves in a critical way. Especially to your point, if you're talking about it being a journey and not a destination, you have to be looking in that mirror constantly and not in a like, I'm so pretty, I'm so pretty. Like it's, it's not, it's not a one and done thing. So that's difficult for people to do. I, I it would be hard for me to do as well. Sure. I mean, it, it is, it, it, that's exactly right. Is as we go through life, we're going to face different situations and different challenges and, and they're going to generate different feelings in us. And given our, you know, whatever happens to be going on with us at that time, uh, it's always going to be just a little bit different. And we constantly got to be looking at how we're reacting and how we're responding to situations uh, to put us in the best possible position. So it's, it's important that we're constantly checking in with ourselves and constantly questioning <laughs> everything about the way we do things. I love that. That was great. Constantly checking in with ourselves. That that's neat too, right? I'm just doing a little check in with myself, right? Mm-hmm. See how things are going. You know where I was going with this is that I think that we get so used to marking achievements or like periods of opportunity to achieve by milestones that have been socially constructed for us. Mm-hmm. Like we have to do such and such by the age of 18 or. Or, you know, now I've graduated college. Now I've gotten married. I have a birth of a child. You know, I got the white picket fence or like where we're at in our career trajectory. Oh, I made partner at the firm. Oh, I've retired. Like there are these milestones that we're like, I made it to that. I've slid into first or home. <laughs> I guess, why would you? Slide? I mean, you can slide into first. If you lay down a bunch, sure. You would, you know. But I don't think that's what's going to help you, right? You're, you're, you're sli- I actually know baseball. That's what's Situational. sad yeah. about this. Yeah. Slide <laughs> into home plate and you're like, look, I'm done. I did my best, right? We wipe off our hands and like we go sit in the dugout. Right. We reach one of these milestones, these things that you pointed out, whether they be based on age or, or achievement or whatever. And we feel like we've made it. So we lose sight that the journey, that, that the journey is going to continue. The story's not over. Right. And I can tell you, this does not come naturally to me because I'm a very task-oriented person. And I, I'm very much like, I'm working to a, I'm working towards a milestone. But um, yeah, I, I got to remember this checking in with myself idea that you brought up. I think it's great. Well, I, and I know that you are task-oriented, but you, you seem to always have 
the task laid out in a way that you're always trying new things and always working toward uh, some end state off in the future that, that all your things dovetail together. So I, I don't think you have much to worry about. Oh, well, that was kind. That was very nice. Thank you. But we also have to remember that our brains are hardwired to keep us safe, mm-hmm. right? We, we had discussed previously about the fear of failure uh, or the fear of, of what other people think uh, can compel us to be complacent, uh, comfortable, bored, uh, stagnant. Uh, you choose your word there. Mm-hmm. I think we had an episode on this, right? This is season one. This is like risky business. That's yes, that's right. That's right. Episode 115. <laughs> I was like, I don't even need to see the episode. I know you have them indexed mentally. You're going to pull it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely talked about that. So if you haven't listened into that, significant others, you might want to. That's right. You might want to go back to season one. Yes. Yeah. Loop back around and listen to, and if, even if you had, loop back and listen to it again. It can't hurt. <laughs> but those fears are powerful forces that can produce limiting beliefs, thoughts, feelings, behaviors in us mm-hmm. that uh, that almost we almost handicap ourselves sure. when we have them. Right, that fear holds us back from being able to achieve what we are capable of. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I feel like this is the prime time to plug Albert Bandura, the uh, social cognitive psychologist. And I and I would argue that it's always a good time to plug Albert Bandura. <laughs> so Albert Bandura, if you're listening, Albert Bandura, if you're still <laughs> alive, actually, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure either, to be honest with you. I feel like this is that. Uh, there used to be a a morning show I listened to on the radio growing up that was like Canadian or dead. And since Albert Brandora is Canadian American, I'm like, I, I couldn't tell you at this point. Uh, yeah, like, like you, I'm going to go with Canadian, but you yeah. would lose that game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Bandura is all about self-efficacy. So that is the having confidence in your ability to develop strategies and complete tasks necessary to succeed in various endeavors being like, yeah, like I'm the captain of my own ship. Like if I want to change something, I can totally change something. So it makes sense, right? High self-efficacy is good because mm-hmm. unless we truly believe we can produce the result we want, we are going to have very little incentive to try stuff in the first place. We're not going to want to try to even face a challenge. And there have been, oh, a gabillion, I'm, I'm rounding up here studies right right, within the last few decades that have proven that this high self-efficacy definitely has a positive effect in many arenas of our lives like salary job satisfaction career success relationship success yeah and and it comes into play really when we when we identify what we want to accomplish when we're setting goals for ourselves uh or 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 habits that we want to change uh we can come up with a great plan putting it into action is often the hardest part of, of, of achieving that. And, and we talked about this in uh, not to do another callback, but we talked about this in episode 109, which was about uh, organization, about peas and potatoes was the title, about how taking small bites of that elephant allows us to have more control and sets us up to be successful. Yes, the peas and potatoes, which were not about peas or potatoes, but somehow are about elephants and frogs. And frogs, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And and you and I, I know, have talked briefly about how positive self-talk in the realm of sports, you know, that thinking that I have the power to do something that sits within my capabilities is like actually translates to the scoreboard. 
Right. Yeah, we, we certainly have. And that's, uh, I, you know, I came across a study that was done at the University of Thessaly in Greece around water polo players and uh, how their self-talk affected their ability in throwing distance and accuracy. Throwing that ball uh, for distance yeah. and accuracy? Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, water polo, which, yeah. Um, so the players using motivational self-talk significantly improved at both tasks versus the control. Okay. So, so it showed that that motivational self-talk increased both their self-efficacy and their performance. So it's almost like this self-perpetuating cycle. Like if I think I can, I can, and then my can encourages me thinking that I can. Right. That's that correct. Was- right. It's <laughs> right. It's a, it, it becomes a positive feedback loop. Yeah. I was like, am I going to need to bust out the whiteboard? I was like, follow me here. (laughs) We will now have Pete explain a very complicated visual. Prepare thyselves. That's right. Give me a diagram. Yes. There we go. (laughs) Pete's like, last season, Pete's like, why do I always have to explain these diagrams? (laughs) That's how the cookie crumbles, man. I don't know. Um, So there was a speaking, I I see your research and I, 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 I give you. Uh, additional research. So I found that there is a place called the Self-Control and Emotion Laboratory, and it's at the University of Michigan. That's right. Um, and the director there, he, he has a name, Ethan Cross, and he has found that people who speak to themselves as another person, like what I mean by that is like saying, like I would say my own name or I would use the pronoun you. So so in the third person. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, uh, yes, third, like if I'm referring to myself as Melissa, right, yes, or pronoun you, then Mm -hmm. I'm going to perform better in stressful situations than people who use first person I. So when I say I am brave and strong, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be as effective as when I say, Pete, you are brave and strong. Correct. You can do this. Yeah. Right. You can do this. You can do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. According to Cross. Uh, when people think of themselves of an, as another person, it, it allows them objectivity, right? They create a distance because think about how often we are to jump in to help other people solve their problems. We're like, oh man, here's what you do, blah, blah, blah. Well, doing that creates distance between self and other. It creates that gap. And then we are then able to, right, have that distance that we need in order to give great, amazing advice work. Uh, I'll tell you that, I actually make a habit of writing a note on my bathroom mirror to remind myself good things to, sure. to pump myself up like that. And it is always written in a you sentence. I love it. That's great. Just in the, uh, what you're when the, in the steam of the bathroom mirror. No, no, I've written it in, in uh, erasable marker. Oh, okay then. All right. I thought I don't take a long enough shower to generate steam. I'm <laughs> gonna have to hang out in there longer no, no, so no. I can do my personal affirmation of the day. I see. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, my my uh my mirror looks like a crime board. It's got stuff written all over it, actually. Oh, well, that's just, fascinating. Yeah, just so you know. Oh, very cool. So I'm gonna I wanna add an asterisk here about the verbal encouragement because as a practitioner. I'm going to tell you that it's not useful to do that if you're if you're overly optimistic or overly uh, fantastical in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You've got to be realistic 
you've got to set your expectations. The bar has to be set somewhere that's challenging, but achievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're telling yourself that you can fly, uh, it's no amount of positive self-talk is going to make that possible. And how do you know? I just want to say, ye of little doubt. Uh, just kidding. I mean, I'm going to try it. You're trying now. to get me to jump off a building, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm going to try it and tell you what, what happens, right? No, right. I'd be, I'd be curious to see. Uh, actually, I wouldn't want to see what would happen if you tried that. I would not. That's not something I'd want to see. Don't, please don't try that. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I feel like this. Nobody feel like... and nobody listening. Please don't try that. Either. No. Right. Well, you. Could, I mean, if you're just out there in like a parking lot and you yeah, yeah, want yeah. to take like, a run at it, sure. like the Wright brothers, who yeah, yeah. am I to say it's sure. not going to work? Right. But, but cap it at like picnic table height, please. Don't go. Don't go more than that. Right. All right. We we want to be very responsible. Safety first. Yes. You are. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's um, let's talk about the value prop behind why we want to not be satisfied with our current state. Because as we've mm-hmm. already said, it's very comfy to be complacent or <laughs> comfortable or however. A lot, of, are- lot of, yeah, a lot of similarly sounding words in this, yes. in this discussion. Absolutely, yes. So um, I ran across a book, it is called Beginners, The Joy and Transformative Power of Lifelong Learning. Mm. Um, a man named Tom Vanderbilt, wrote it. And he mm-hmm. argues that learning new skills is vital to keeping our brain flexible. If we mm-hmm. tackle an unfamiliar task, then we are forced to adopt an open-minded approach like that of a beginner. But, but don't, don't let having to be open-minded like a beginner dissuade you from what he's trying to, to express here. Mm. I know, I know for a lot of people, taking on that beginner role is, uh, is not something that they relish, right? Mm-hmm. They, they either think they, that they're too old to, to learn new things or, or they're just not comfortable. Uh, they, you know, I know that I personally like to be good at things and it's hard sometimes for me to, to be a, 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 a beginner and, mm-hmm. and not be good. Um, but, but the research shows that people who are intellectually curious uh, uh, creative, imaginative, they tend to score higher on being open-minded. Mm-hmm. And those people notice more things about the world around them, right? Oh. The, the people that are more mentally rigid are more focused on whatever's in front of them and not, uh, well, not being open-minded, not being open to, to, to seeing what's around them. Mm-hmm. So as you as as you experience more things, and that this is the maybe the how I should have summarized it to begin, as you experience more things, you're more apt to see that there are more things to experience. So you're saying like being open-minded has like almost an exponential return. The attitude begets this attitude. Correct. That's exactly right. These are highly perceptive people because they're always on the lookout for what the world has to offer. So another benefit of being open-minded is the ability to process more complex emotions. The way that this works is you, when you've got that mental flexibility, you're capable of processing deeper emotions, uh, and you can even process conflicting emotions simultaneously. Oh, interesting. That, I, that's fascinating at the same time. Yeah, that really is the mark of, of an advanced mind, I think, to be able to hold two things that are seemingly in conflict with, another, with one another at the same time. 
to go back to what you said before about how, you know, sometimes we don't want to like, we're like, I've already done all these things. Like I'm in my 12th year of college. I've raised three children. I've done this. I, you know, I'm the owner of this. People don't want to do that whole, um, going back to the start, you know, that Mm -hmm. beginner's attitude. But I also want to say that taking the time to stick with something until you reach mastery level can also have a benefit. You know, we are in a world where we are just, just, just seeped in instant gratification and pursuing mastery takes discipline and dedication and the gains are slower and harder to come by. And we're, we're, we don't have to master all the tasks, but just to be able to dive deep, you know, versus be like an inch proficient across a, a farm size field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's noble work. And I, and I don't, I don't want to take away from that by saying that we have to be after the next shiny object. Cause I think, you know, that that's not me. I'm like, I want to get really good at this thing that I'm doing now, and then I'll move on to something else. So there's benefit in then doing that as well. Right. And I think what you have maybe modeled for me personally, is that you can do both simultaneously. You can set out to achieve depth and mastery of a subject while still engaging in new and different activities. So you're getting the benefits of both of those types of learning. Well, thank you for that, Pete. That was very nice. So um, if we have not already made the business case for you about why um, you want to be questioning everything, let's talk about why you definitely don't want to have an attitude of complacency. Well, the easy answer is complacency is the opposite of continuous improvement, right? The, the, once you stop growing, once you stop uh, challenging yourself and taking on new tasks and, and expanding your knowledge base and you know, looking into how you feel and becoming more aware of yourself, you start to become stagnant and complacent. And I think it's easy to become complacent without even realizing you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, in preparation for this episode, I started listing out some telltale signs that that one has become complacent, and perhaps I drew upon personal <laughs> situations or events in order to uh, come up with my list. But maybe you can help me add to it. So, of course. Um, um, actively avoiding the things that I'm scared of, right? Being like, oh, I, you know, I don't know how to do that, or I've never been there before, or I don't know those people there, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, which goes kind of hand in glove with not trying new things. Like I get into these like sort of routines. I go to the same places, eat the same things, hang out with the same people. I, it's sure. like that Geico series for people turning into their parents, like, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, having behavior that's very predictable, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, friends knowing what I'll do in a certain situation without me ever telling them being like, Oh, Melissa's swimming Thursday night. Boom. You know? Right. I don't, I, I, I don't want to say routine is bad, but I understand what you're saying. I think, I think feeling, feeling stuck or stagnant, if that routine makes you feel stuck or stagnant, then yeah, that's, that's definitely something to be concerned about. I, I think, um, I'd like to add you know, we talked about checking in with yourself, not reflecting on your progress mm-hmm. in things uh, and not assessing where you could be doing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are uh, indicators of that. I think avoiding being accountable to other people mm-hmm. who you know will hold you accountable, uh, not, you know, not sharing things that you're doing with them because 
you know that they'll push you more than you maybe want to be pushed. Right. Uh, that could be an indication of that. And, and, and comparing yourself to other people, not setting, I don't know how to phrase this exactly right. Um, but not comparing yourself to people who are aspirational. Okay. Right. You, you set the bar a little lower. So you can be like, I'm not as bad as Bob. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I hate that one. That makes me crazy. Cause I always, as I like to say, we don't measure ourselves from the bottom. We measure ourselves from the top. Yeah, so, no, that's, right. that's exactly right. That's that right. And that, that, that captures what I'm trying to say. Right. Exactly. Um, some other things, um, not being excited anymore by small wins. You know, we talk about having incremental progress. You know, if, if you're so focused on the end state that you can't celebrate those little wins anymore, you probably need to, to take a look at where you're at. I think on that one too, it, I don't even, you know, I definitely, if you're not being excited about the small ones, but you might not even be noticing them. Oh yeah. Yeah, and for I sure. Think, I think about this, like I'm constantly trying to be like in the audience on the balcony, in the audience on the balcony and jockeying back and forth gives me different levels of altitude that I can kind of look at the scene at. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm, I can't look at the small winds if I'm in the balcony. That's right. like strategy level. I got to be like in the, the orchestra pit in order to be like, oh, small win. Cool. Go me. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Thinking that you know it all. I think that's a like, that's such a bad mindset to have in any context. Oh, absolutely. Um, Where people are like, I already have my college degree. I'm good. And I'm like, I'm right. sorry, what? Or I've been, I know how to do this. Things you, you don't you, want to hear from your physician. Yeah. You're no, like, wanna, hasn't I, medicine changed in the last <laughs> decade? <laughs> right. Why right. are you bringing out leeches, man? Yeah. Right. There's a quote that I see often uh, around stoicism about you can't teach a man something that he thinks he already knows. And that, that certainly applies to this. And I, and for the life of me, I can't remember who says it, but I think, I think another one is, is telling yourself to be happy with what you have. I think that's a, I think that's another way to complacency shows itself. Okay. Okay. Can I, I'm going to, I'm going to take that little offering you gave me and I'm going to grab it. I'm going to run. Like I'm trying to put out a fire and I have the hose, right? I'm just like, Oh, okay. All right. So I want to talk about this for a second because I think it's applicable and uh-huh. I, I just need to get this out there and, okay. and now's my time. Okay. Yeah. Go. I want to Do talk it. about this attitude of gratitude and how sometimes I believe it can actually keep us from being our best. Okay. Now, I know that an attitude of gratitude is a thing. There are shirts, mugs, journals, right? I got it. I know sure. that there's research that links gratitude to happiness, health, stronger relationships. But I'm going to tell you, there is a groundswelling that also says that gratitude, hear me out, Mm -hmm. breeds self-satisfaction and acceptance of the status quo. And I'm more than happy to sort of dive into this. That's the negative. That's, that's kind of what I was saying is being, being happy with, with what you have. It's a double-edged sword. I want to have gratitude. I want to recognize where I am and, and the good things that are in my life. But what you point out is certainly legitimate that it can also keep us from striving for more or striving for better, mm-hmm. especially from ourselves. Absolutely. There's, um, there was a New York Times essay by journalist Barbara Enrenreich, who I, I love. I think she's a very good reporter, if you will. I, I found mm-hmm. some of her research to be very riveting throughout the course of my life. And she asserts that gratitude may be self-indulgent in this way of like 
I'm working on my journey and I'm like satisfied with my life. And if that's so, how much of my time am I working on myself that I can present to others? Right. Mm -hmm. What am I giving back? Like I'm real cool with me and my yoga mat drinking my chai mocha latte, but, and that's (laughs) cool, you know, and heart I'm on my journey, but what am I like, what, how is that improving the world, man? Right. Right. And there's a, you know, since you brought up a, 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 a journalistic piece there, there was a, a piece in the Harvard Crimson that I read that, that argued that gratitude can act as a form of complacency and indebtedness engendered by gratitude may get in the way of progress. So I think that that ties in nicely with what you're, I, th- I think it just supports that, that there are, this thought is out there. It is out in the world. It's not unusual. It is definitely um, out there. But I, but I also want to, I want to counter this, this thought that gratitude is bad because it's not, we've already said it's not all bad. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of research that says that gratitude is not just a pleasant passive emotion, but it, but it's an activating, energizing force that can help us to pursue our goals and become better, more socially engaged people. There's mm-hmm. there's even research that says that that people who feel grateful are more likely to help complete strangers. Right? They this, the the study suggests that feeling grateful not only prompts people to want to pay person that they're grateful to back, mm-hmm. but they also want to pay that forward by helping others. So, mm-hmm. so the gratitude can motivate us to improve not only our own lot in life, but also the circumstances of those around us. I totally believe you. Yes. hundred percent. And since the goal of the podcast this month is to question everything, I'm just saying it's worth doing some soul searching to see what gratitude is doing for you in your life and what is that you're doing with that attitude of gratitude. I'm all about saying thanks, but I just want to say, I know that for my own self, I have thought about how I'm projecting my gratitude attitude into the world. And I've gone so far as to call it gratitude actiontude. Like mm. I don't want to just be grateful for the barista who spelled my name right on the cup. I want to physically express my indebtedness, a bigger tip in the jar, relaying my satisfaction to the barista. Uh, the, her, her supervisor, his supervisor, putting something on social media about my positive experience. What a, what a, what a nouvelle thought, right? <laughs> Versus kvetching, you know? Right, right. Yes. That would certainly, uh, certainly put a change on things. We need to call Webster because I don't think action to, we need to, we need to take action to trademark that or patent it or whatever we do when we come up with new words. You've heard it here. Put it in I the, think, put it in yeah. the hashtags. And then when we go that's back right. to a content analysis, you'll see that it started here with our podcast. That's right. In five years, when that makes it to the dictionary, everyone will say, you know, I heard it first. There's no way it'll take five years. We're part of a global village. We are expanding and shrinking all at the same time. Yes. <laughs> but, but to your point, there's, there's a value in just leaning in and just going for it and just taking action. Mm-hmm. I saw it as I was preparing for this discussion, uh, an article where the, uh, there was an interview with Jeff Tweedy, who I know you're familiar with, but, uh, Wilco, for, the band. Correct. Wilco. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I actually, uh, he's, he's released 20 albums. He's a Grammy winner, but he was, they were talking about, uh, the pursuit of improvement in, uh, as a creative person, as a, as a person who depends on creativity for their, as their profession. Oh, um, and what he wanted, the, what he highlighted in his conversation was that the striving 
for improvement, the, the trying to get better mm-hmm. was really the most rewarding part for him. Mm-hmm. And that in his experience, the people that have become really accomplished at whatever craft they happen to take on are people that are constantly striving to get better. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to say that, that allowing yourself to struggle is integral to that process. Right. He, he was talking about how we give ourselves the freedom to be bad at certain things. Are you saying uh, the creative process? Yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I mean, that specifically, that's what he was speaking to. But yeah, no, but, but I, I love think, this. But I think we, it's got a broad application. I do, too. But I love because who doesn't have you always have some level of creativity in your life. I think people are going to this idea of how you can express this in a creativity, in a creative realm is going to resonate with people more than me saying like Kaizen in an organizational setting, like who gives a rip like <laughs> if Toyota is making better profits, right? Unless right, it's some right. shareholder. Um, yeah, no, I love what you're saying here. I think this is great. He went on to say that, that we allow ourselves to be bad at certain things. And, and I think, you know, personally, I think of something like golf or, or some other sport that, that you play recreationally and you're just okay not being great at because it's fun or it's something that you do with your friends. So you're getting that social aspect from it, but, mm-hmm. but we don't give ourselves that same latitude in other arenas. Mm-hmm. That's and fascinating. not allowing us to the freedom to be bad at something means that we'll never actually get good at that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no way you can get better at it. If you don't have some room for improvement, I'm, I'm right. totally with you. Yeah. 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 And And as you said, it's a more, a more organic take than the, than the structure of the five whys and the fishbone and the, and the things that we see in a, in like a, a yellow belt or green belt program at a, at a business. It's just, mm-hmm. I think it's very applicable to people's lives every day. I, I'm with you. I don't think we need to be wed to the five whys to move the needle. Mm-hmm. Like tapping into our own creativity is helpful in so many ways, personally and professionally. And if we just see it, like I'm, I was going through, as you were saying that all the things that I like to do in my life, just because I like to do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I took a violin way late in life. I didn't even read music when I took a violin and that's not the place to start by the way. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but I just enjoy it. Right. And people are like, well, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, well, I'm not trying out for the philharmonic. Like I'm just, I just enjoy it. Like, and people are like, huh, <laughs> like right. you just enjoy it. And I'm like, right. yeah. And then like, if there's gains to be made, cool, which God knows there are, but I'm just saying, um, yeah, this but- is uh, yeah, and, but but to piggyback on that a little bit, to piggyback on your experience, I think that that says a lot about you know all these people that are questioning why you're doing this. They're the type of people that are focused on the end state versus the destination or the the journey, mm-hmm. right? They're all wondering mm-hmm. what your end game is, and you're like, I just want to get better at this, right? Yes. So been- so those yeah. are the people that need to like tweak their thinking a little bit, and and instead of saying well, why would you do that? Maybe say, that's so cool. I wonder what I can do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, that's that interesting and challenging. And um, just to be clear, I'm one of those people who sort of needs to be checked on this. Uh, um, I just had a recent conversation not that long ago with a friend who expressed an interest in a new pastime. And I was like, oh, here's what you could do with that. And I was reminded very quickly that um, not every pastime needs to be monetized. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to like lead to something bigger and like... Mm-hmm. Here's, here's how you can turn that into a part-time job. Right. Um, yeah. So that was great. Yeah. Which is, I see, this is an area of 
of where I need to do a self-check and be like, you know what you're used to doing, Melissa? Um, yeah. So I'm going to work on this as part of my continuous improvement path. <laughs> yeah. That's, that sounds, that sounds like we're, if we help no one else, at least we're helping you in this conversation. And that folks is why we started the podcast. <laughs> Because even with a copay, counseling was $40 a session. <laughs> All right. That's, that's good. So why, that's don't we, uh, <laughs> why don't we talk about um, how we go about sort of cultivating a continuous improvement mindset? We already talked about self-check. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you've just encouraged me, even though you may not even realize it, to I'm going to frame it as celebrate failures because failures provide us great feedback, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They provide an opportunity to improve the standards and the processes that I have in place. Sure. Yeah. I mentioned before that I have struggled with this in the past personally, but I've also recently taken on crafts that I, uh, I'm trying, trying to follow your example and taking on new things. I've tried to do things and failed spectacularly at them. Mm -hmm. But it's, but I've learned <laughs> each failure came with a lesson that when applied to my next try, made it better and made it better and made it better till I achieved what I had set out to do. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think that that's, I had to get myself in the mindset to celebrate that first phenomenal failure of mine mm-hmm. because I learned so much from it Yeah, that that's what made my success possible. I think what you're talking about is this uh, idea of failing forward, right? Mm -hmm. As you're failing, at least you're moving in that direction where you're like, I won't do that again. Yes. And and that makes me think of of Edison, Thomas Edison, who said, you know, I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Exactly. Uh, That like summarizes that whole thing I was, I was expressing. I think being curious is another way to make sure that we're staying in and cultivating that that continuous improvement mindset. Um, because if you're, if you're trying to get better at something, you have to figure out where there are opportunities for improvement. And that means you've got to ask questions. You've got to dig in. You've got to, you've got to really evaluate each little aspect of, of what's going on so that you can find the spots that can be tightened up, right? You need that curiosity to figure out where to, to put your effort. To ask why, why, why? Right, exactly. Yes. Back to that, yeah. Um, I'm going to add to the mix here. Think big. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think thinking big is is definitely a part of a uh, culture of continuous improvement. And you're you're pushing yourself to grow beyond a state which you can currently imagine. And although it is just coffee cup wisdom, that old adage about shoot for the moon because if you miss it, you'll land among the stars is is not that far off. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to couple it with be patient because as we've said ad nauseum, it's a journey, not a destination. And it's really just about the day-to-day, right? Improving day-to-day incrementally to just be a better us today than we were yesterday. Right. Right. The the continuous improvement mindset, right? It's, it's got to be focused on getting away from results-based thinking and into the focus on incremental progress, like you, like we've said before, mm-hmm. we need to accept that while perfection is aspirational, it isn't achievable. Mm-hmm. We're going to have setbacks. We're human. We're going to fail. No one's ever <laughs> achieved without failure in their life. 
It's sure. just not something that happens. So can I add in a little thing here? You talk about incremental progress and about like yeah. not like achieving goals, but what it could simply be is, is setting just smaller micro goals, right? right. Because I'm very goal oriented. Mm -hmm. And if, if I just thought about something in, in broke it down into more micro pieces where I'm like, oh, I, I did that one second faster, or, you know, I improved upon that in just a little bit. Like I am really going back to what you said earlier about celebrating those small wins. Sure. Yeah. But I still, no, I, have, yeah, still yeah. have a goal I'm so wed to. Like, it's like my whoopee, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, and and you can have both, mm -hmm. right? You can you can say, I want to run a four-minute mile. And your current state is you can't get lower than a 10. And, you know, maybe tomorrow you run a 930. And you're still not at four. But let's celebrate the fact that you just took 30 seconds off your time. Right. And by the right. end of the week, I'm going to put my um, pullover in your car door and have you take off as fast as you can. <laughs> and I will have run my four minute mile. So yay. Yes. Partner assisted. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think this is a great cap to this conversation. Well, thank you. That's, that's very nice of you to say. Uh, do you want to, in that case, do you want to send us out? Sure. So as always, Pete and I would love to continue this discussion with you on all of our social media fronts. Um, we would love for you to share your experience with continuous improvement at your work or in your personal life, more, more specifically, honestly. We'd love to hear about those small gains. Yeah, for sure. Tell us how often you try to tackle new things. Do you set goals that focus on incremental progress or are you focused on reaching a destination? Reach out and share with us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and the Insta at ThinkSigPod and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Think Significantly. If you enjoyed our conversation, please invite your curious friends to listen. Melissa and I will be back next week to explore another way that we can question everything. And until then, we encourage everyone to think significantly about the world around you. Na, 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 na.